3: We welcome you to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be here for the next hour to talk Giants and NFL football. Uh, I'm Paul Tatino. He is Super Bowl champion Jeff Feagles at Giants WFAN, at Jay Feagles. If you wanted us up on Twitter, uh, don't forget our phone number. We'd really rather have you call us up. It's 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. And an archive of this show will be available, along with our entire podcast network, on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. Jeff, I okay. would be so remiss if I even thought about beginning this show without talking about the Giants Foundation Golf Tournament yesterday, mm. of which you were so much looking forward to. Yeah. You continue to uh, to swamp me with all of your golf enthusiasm. And so tell me about yesterday's event well, in
1: 90-plus degree heat. Yeah, I was just going to say, first of all, the the northeast weather made its presence for summer. That was for sure yesterday. Um, kind of brought you back a little bit to what it's like to go out and play some golf and sweat, actually. Because what we've been doing, you know, now, Pearson is in our studio here. He's a golfer, so he can relate to this stuff. It's not fun to play golf when it's cold. It's fun to play golf when it's warm because you're nice and loosened up. But uh, foundation golf tournament for the Giants back once again. You know, it was, it was on hiatus for a little while because of COVID, and uh, so it was good to get back and see a lot of different people. It's a great, it's a great fundraiser for the Giants Foundation. It's a lot of fun because you meet different people all the time. The course was at Canoe Brook over there, uh, I believe it's Summit, and then um, you know you get to get out there and enjoy yourself, enjoy the day. And I know that a lot of guys that. That they the players that don't play golf, which is the funny thing about it, and watching them try to hit golf balls and watching them putts on the green. That
3: can the, be dangerous. It
1: could be dangerous, yeah. Actually, I, I, it is dangerous, not could be, it is. Um, but, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. And, of course, you know me as being the golfer that I am. I like to compete. And, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get uh, drawn very, very competitive golfers yesterday. They were a good group. Couldn't have, couldn't have had a better time spending five hours on the golf course with uh, four good guys. But our golf game wasn't that good yesterday.
3: How did you do particularly, though?
1: Fine. I did fine. You did fine. I did fine. Because, yeah.
3: folks, for those of you who do not know, Jeff Fiegels won his golf championship at his, at his uh, golf club yeah, uh, I I about two s- weeks
1: ago. The senior club champion. Yeah,
3: How about that? That's
1: for 55 and over, those scoring at home. So I don't consider myself a senior. It's just the the age, (laughs) the bracket puts me in the senior category. Okay, so so the rules kind of put you
3: there, not because you feel like it. Yeah, I I have to go there.
1: Now, now this week coming up, which I will not be competing in um, because it's just too difficult. There's a lot of young, young guys at our club that are really, really, really good golfers, and that is the true club champion. Every uh, club has one of those, but th- that's a competition that's very fierce. So I'm I am content with where I am, Paul, in the senior club division. Okay, which is fine because I'm the younger. Of the senior club division, guys, right? I mean, I'm, I'm 56. Right. You got to be 55 to get in there. So there's a lot of people competing and they're much older than me and I've taken advantage of them. Well, just like those young guys would so be taking advantage be of me. So you should be winning, is what you're telling me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you right. go. Yeah, but there's a lot of, I'm sure that across the board, a lot of people that belong to other country clubs, there are some really good golfers that, you know, are in their 50s. So.
3: Open phones for about an hour. We will talk Giants football with you. Uh, One thing I did want to touch upon, Jeff, as we get ready for our phone calls, because I want to get as – this is another one, rapid fire. I want to get as many callers as I can in today. We've had a lot of new callers over the last month or so. May was a really good month for new callers. I will say that. I don't think we've ever had a month – Yeah, don't be afraid
1: to call in if you listen and you've never called.
3: It's been forever since we had such a cluster of new callers call us in May. And I would love to see that continue into June. So uh, I invite you at 201-939-4513. June 1. But before we go there, Jeff, uh, you've had an opportunity to be at a couple of the OTAs. Mm -hmm. I've been at them, obviously, as well. Uh, The media has been shut out of most of them. They only have limited availability to them. I think a couple of the takeaways that I have so far, and we know that mandatory minicamp is next week, mm-hmm. so we've got a couple of more of these things left this week yeah. before they finish up. A uh, couple of very quick thoughts. Daniel Jones looks very comfortable and very sharp with this new offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way he continues to be accurate and throwing well while on the move. Mm-hmm. I think that's been pretty obvious. Yeah, I think that Wondell Robinson and Daniel Bellinger Two of the rookies in this class have both shown a tremendous propensity to catch the ball without letting it hit the ground. These guys, I think, Wandale Robinson may have had one drop the entire spring practices so far that I've seen. He may have had one drop. Well, That's he's worked it.
1: on that because he had a couple drops in the in his senior year. Right. So right. He's right. He also caught on 104
3: that. passes though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think Chris, it was five. By, by the way,
3: my 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 usual um, grade on that, and it's just mine. Is it a percentage? Yeah, okay. yeah. I I, five? I to me six six percent six percent good guess six percent of drops is my cutoff line. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes a problem for me. But up to six percent, I'm I'm kind of I'll, I'll swallow that. I'd like it to be less. But six percent is where well, you get a hundred balls,
1: six of them. That's a pretty you know, good clip. That's, that's good. when
3: that's when it starts to become an issue for me, if mm-hmm. it's more than six percent. Um, so Robinson has been catching everything. Everything out of any formation, out of any pass route. Lots of formation. He catches everything. So does Daniel Bellinger. Which, by the way, he was not a big target guy in college. No, at San Diego State, he was not known as, as much of yeah. a pass receiver. Yeah.
1: But he is an athletic-looking guy. He's tall. He's big. He's I've got told smooth. people
3: he looks like Jake
1: Ballard to me. Yeah, yeah he's got a lot of, lot of uh, good – well, here's the thing. You know, some of those guys, when their hand goes in the dirt, their hands basically – they lose some of their touch to catch the football. This, guy's, this guy can block. That's what oh, he yeah. did. Oh yeah, and now they. But I feel like by drafting him, they understand that they're going to use him in a different way. But that's scouting. That I mean, they they watch this guy. They watch him at the combine. They watch him at the workouts. They found a way to be able to believe that he this guy can be an asset to this offense, both blocking and
3: catching the football. And uh, I would say the other thing that that's kind of stuck out a little bit, although we're talking flag football shirts and shorts. Saquon Barkley looks very fit, healthy. Yeah. Well, looks he's like confident. he's stronger again. He's put on a little bit more of his muscle as mm-hmm. he had a couple of years ago. And uh, again, shirts and shorts, he looks like he's got his quickness and his explosion. He's had a very quiet OTA
1: season if you will. Meaning like they haven't heard much you know Saquon. Well, just they he- don't want it a lot, but my my point and there's no is, contact. But my well, my point is that I think that there's. I think he's taken it in a very professional manner. New coaching staff, kind of getting to know these guys, and I think that he's he this this is a contract year for Saquon. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just did, nose to the grindstone, man. Just go out there and work, and I think that everybody's going to be appreciative of him this year because he's coming off a season where he's healthy. I mean, this is a big thing for him. He's going to be able to operate the way that we kind of knew he would coming into his rookie year. I mean, listen, I don't think he's going to catch 90 footballs, but he's going to. I think he's going to be, if I had to do the over-under, I would probably give it 60, right? I
3: was going to say he'll be over 70. Okay, so 60,
1: 65. And I maybe, wouldn't be that... even shocked if you yeah. went
3: over 80. Yeah. So, I would not be shocked.
1: And the only reason I'm dropping it down a little bit to that is because of Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Toning. Right. That's the only reason they I'm saying so that. They have so
3: many other targets here. I don't think he'll catch 91. Right, right.
1: But... Um, Hey, listen, if, if, uh,
3: and, and, and I was telling the guys
1: after you see on the golf course, you can imagine that these are, these are giants fans. They're in the giant outing and all they want to know about is the team mm-hmm. and talking about the team and this and that. And I brought up Wondell Robinson's name plenty of times yesterday a sign kind of like the player to watch, if you will. And they were just like, well, what about Kadarius Tony? Is he's like, is he, is he not going to be around? Or I'm like, well, no. <laughs> wait a second. The guy was a first round draft pick last year. He's going to be around. It's just a matter of him staying on the field and getting healthy, um, and I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of the fans, who feel like when Kadaris missed that first week of OTAs that there was something wrong. What's going on with this
3: guy? Well, and it you was know. only it was only a day that he yeah. missed when the media was here. See, people don't understand sure. that. And okay. we well, just tell them the media, like you
1: said, tomorrow is the first. They're
3: they're going to come in tomorrow. Media gets to come in once a week yeah. during OTAs, yeah. and that's it. And even though there are two and three other practices during the course of the week, they're not here. So they have no idea whether he's here or not. Now, some of them like to make phone calls and create rumors and say, oh, oh guy's not here. They don't know because they're not here. And the shame of it is it's scarlet letters the player mm-hmm. because they going out and reporting a rumor. They weren't here. They didn't see. They right, don't right. know if the guy was here or not. And the rumors reported that, oh, he was not here. And the perception from the fans is that the player doesn't care as much yeah, because he well, hasn't not. been around. It's not and fair. That, and that's so it's, it's so not unfair. unfair.
1: It's not fair. And for those listening to the show, we will tell you, Paul and I, we've, we've watched him work and, you know, he's coming along. He's going to be a big part of this offense. There's no question. There is no question that all those guys, three guys that we just talked about, Saquon, Robinson, and Kadarius are going to be so influential in this offense. And by the way, the other thing I was telling the people yesterday is that, you know, and Daniel Jones was in the group in front of me, so I ran into him quite a bit yesterday because we usually wait on shots. You and didn't stuff. hurt him, did you? No, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, you said, told you, him to hurry in, up. you said you ran into him. You said you ran into him. I told him to hurry up <laughs> a bunch of times. Let's go. Get this thing moving. Get out of the huddle, if you will. Um, But I I think that it's a situation where Daniel Jones is going to be very happy in the situation that he's put in to get the ball off quickly to these guys. Because when we watch this out there, you can see how fast that ball is coming out of his hands. It's just, boom, getting into the playmaker's hands, let those guys go make some plays. Um, He looks comfortable to me. I think that Daniel is a guy that obviously is very cerebral, so he's going to pick up anything that they throw at him. It's Mm -hmm. just a matter of understanding conceptually what Brian Dable – mike kafka want out of him in the system that they're putting together and that's i think has a lot of things number one accuracy good decision making and part of that decision making is what they have him doing now is throwing into throw it into trouble and see if you can if you can make that throw then you know in a game this year that you're not going to have to worry about making that throw because you've done it a couple times on the flip side of it, if you think you can make that throw and it gets picked off three times, you're not going to make that throw again. <laughs> That's what you have to look at.
3: We'll clean it up once the season starts. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, I think that, you know, I know the point of emphasis with Daniel Jones since the you know his second and third year has always been, let's tighten it up. Let's, let's not turn the ball over. Just
3: remember something. When Phil Simms finally broke out of his shell, it was because Bill Parcells pulled him aside and said, let it rip. Yeah. Come well, on, kid. Let it rip. That, don't that, go out there and play scared.
1: And you know what? From a player's perspective, I will tell you this, that, that gives you so much confidence. As long as you... Here's the thing. You're going to laugh at this. As long as you believe what he's telling you is the truth. <laughs> you know, Because there's a lot of coaches that will tell you something, and then you go out and do it, and then they'll tell the next person. I never told him to do that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't. I don't see that that's what's happening here, but... Um, from a confidence standpoint, yeah, let it rip, Daniel. Just let it go, and and let's get this team, you know, moving along. All
3: right, let's let it rip. I want to let go rapid fire. Let's get as many callers in as we can. We've kind of set the stage for you for today's program. Anything, Sal. Line one, Jason in New Haven, you're first on BBKL. Hello.
2: Hi, fellas. How you doing?
3: Very good, sir. How are you?
2: Good, good, good. Um, I'll try to make my points quick or questions quick. Um um, I don't know if you guys want to answer after I ask or wait till after. Um, but um,
3: let's rip through it and we'll see how it knows.
2: goes. Okay. Okay. So um, the first thing is what? The first question I have. Is, what would you consider a successful season? I know you guys are just talking about Daniel Jones. Um, I am a I am a fan of Daniel Jones, but I think this is his last shot with us. What What would you consider his? What would you consider a good season? Let's just say, for instance, we go. Let's just say, physical argument, we go ten and seven. Um, but he throws maybe sixteen interceptions. Would you guys feel comfortable as him as the
3: next? Um, would you? Feel comfortable we, we've had this discussion
1: or? before. Sixteen interceptions. To me, you're going to have to be in the thirties for touchdowns.
3: You you want a two to one at least interception uh, touchdown to interception ratio. So at if you're going to put one. those numbers
1: out, then we can equate it to he's going to have to have thirty five touchdowns for me to say. All right. Well, you know what? The sixteen I'll live with. But also, if he does throw thirty five, now listen. This is a lot. That's a lot of touchdowns to come off from what he's done in the past. But let me just tell you something. If he's throwing touchdowns, that means they've improved in the offense in the red zone. And he's putting points up on the board more than 14 or 15 a game. I think that that's, that would be successful.
3: And I'll tell okay. you something. It's great. We could start giving you stats and projections. But the truth of the matter is, he better play in at least 15 games. If he's not right. starting right. at least 15 games, this organization right. is going to have a very difficult time trying to figure out how to move forward. Right,
1: And that would oh, be from yeah, any that 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 would would player that has a propensity to get hurt. That's a big question, Mark, because <laughs> remember this. If they're going to franchise him or give him a new contract, it's going to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They don't want to pay somebody that's oh. not on the field. Even if they tag him. Yeah, that's to some am saying. You know? yeah.
3: yeah. So um, to me, I'll, I'll give him a little leeway. I'll give him one or two games leeway. I'll say fifteen. You better, you better be able to start fifteen games. Anything right. less than that, it it really, really becomes a teeth grinder as to how you will evaluate mm-hmm. th- this quarterback. And I, I think that would be the worst case scenario for the Giants, is if he can't stay healthy and give you a definitive answer as to whether or not he should stay.
2: Right, fully absolutely right. That was a great point. Uh, two last questions. And I'll you know take it off the issue to the other callers. Um, the first one is more of a projection based off what we think they can be, but in my opinion, um, now they haven't played a game yet, so I want to temper expectations at least on my part. I can't speak for everybody, but I think going into the middle of the season into the end of the season, if all works out health wise and projection wise, I think we have the best tack. I think we'll have the best tackle duo and pass rusher duo, which is in the NFL is is something to have, and then. The last question, Xavier McKinney, I think if he starts this projection and he keeps rising, I think he had a hell of a season last year, I would love to see Sean kind of uh, re-sign him after the season, kind of lock him up. I think he's one of the core guys that I, I would like to keep on this team for the next five, six years. And those two questions I'll take off the air, and thanks for taking my call. Well, well, thank McK- you so much. M-
1: McKinney, you don't have to sign him. You can see
3: him. He's a first-round draft pick. Well, McKinney is signed through 2023 as it stands right now. hmm so there's really no hurry to do anything with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Tell now, you. in terms of the record, you know, here's what I, what I try to tell people, and nobody ever wants to listen to this because everybody wants to be so smart and they want to give you a number. Truth of the matter is, when you look at the 53-man rosters at the end of the final cutdown, and you say, okay, I'm going to evaluate reasonably what I think this roster can do based on the talent that's there. You'll come up with a number, roughly how many wins you think are realistic. Then what you have to do is add to and subtract to, and say that is the range of where we think this team could logically be. Now, why do you do that? You do that because no matter how much you think you know about the talent level of the team, You don't know about officials' calls, bad bounces, injuries that could significantly impact either your team or the team that they're playing. Mm -hmm. And so I'll tell people very often, you know what? X number of wins is a rational number, but you've got to give plus two or minus two. So Vegas right now is saying the Giants are a seven-win team. Well, you know what that says to me? You can't be shocked if they win nine. Because there's going to be a plus two or minus two margin of error just based on the flukiness of what happens with that oblong football because it bounces a ton of different ways and certain guys getting hurt in big spots and certain penalties being thrown or not thrown in a big spot that will decide a football game. Yeah, I just
1: think it's real difficult to throw out numbers of wins and losses. And I think if you try to do what you said, Paul, that's, I mean, that's, that's one way to look at it. You can, but there's, really, there's no real correct way to do it. And by the way, you can't go by the strength of schedule because that changes every week. Exactly. And so I think that really when you guys look at this league, you understand what happens. It's, it's a war of attrition. That You've got to get through the season healthy. The team that makes it to the end is usually the healthiest or has become the healthiest. They might have started the season off a little bit low, but you know then all of a sudden they get healthy in November and December and they start rattling off some wins because some of the teams that they're playing, Paul, are banged up. And maybe their equation is that those are two games less than we thought they were going to be because they lost their starting quarterback, their, their pass rusher, their starting guard. Something happens where they right. can't win games. Right. And so that's kind of how you got to look at it. But to me, when people say, and this is the biggest question, I'm sure you get it all the time too. So what do you think about the Giants? How do you think they're going to do next year? They'll be better.
3: That's my answer. I'm They'll going to, be better.
1: My answer has been this. I will tell you that I feel like the organization has made a decision where they have aligned their coach and their GM. Mm-hmm. I'm so impressed with that alignment. Yes. And I'm also ultimately impressed with Joe Shane and the way that he's done his work up to this point, which gives me tremendous confidence going forward that they're going to turn this thing around from that perspective. So it's... My my answer to that fan that asked me that is improvement. You are going to see steady, steady improvement. Now, offensively and defensively, what do I want to see? I don't know about you, Paul, but offensively, I want to see two things. I need to – we have got to be better in the red zone. You've got to score more points next year. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I know this may not mean a lot, but when you're in games and you – defer that stupid coin toss and you get that ball with two minutes left in the first half you're predicating the whole coin toss on getting those two back-to-back possessions if you can't get a stupid
3: point out of that then don't defer (laughs) just take the ball how many times have you and I, like, wanted to literally How put our times through a wall or a counter? Well, I can when tell we you saw this: it the was, it was every home game. I know <laughs> that's you see when we were together. Figs Fee, Fee, and I, ha- we often are symmetrical. We we see things a lot oh. the same way, not always, but a lot the same oh. way. Um, in reference to the the question about McKinney, though, I, I, I'm just looking at the the average per year salaries for for your top ten. Safeties in the league now because McKinney was a number two pick and not a number one. That's pick... That's right. I,
1: I said number one. Let me correct myself on that. I said. Oh, did number you say? One. Did I you did. say he was a one? I did. Yeah. But that, that I didn't catch that. Well, I did say number one, but I knew I made a mistake when you told me his contract was up in twenty three. Because if he was a first rounder, it would be twenty four.
3: Well, because they would have the fifth year option. Yes, yeah. Well, so what I was actually going to say is, in looking up the numbers, um, you're talking about guys who are between ten million and up to seventeen and a half for Jamal Adams. Your, your top 10 safeties are all double-digit millions per year, mm-hmm. top 10 safeties in the NFL. Uh, so it is going to cost you quite a bit when you try to renew Xavier McKinney, and you will not have the luxury of picking up that fifth-year option to keep him economically squelched.
1: Well, you have. Well, here's the other thing, too. Remember this. Safeties, punters, kickers they're usually the lower paid of the guys, right? On defense, the safeties are, you know, they're probably, the corners are making more than them. These are good corners. Well, now. your
3: inside linebackers don't make a lot either these days.
1: But the, Okay, so, but I mean, if they're good, they do. Well, you right? like to
3: think all good players will.
1: My point is, is that if McKinney is good enough, then you're going to have to find a way to be able to, maybe you maybe you franchise him. And by the way, because that 10 to 17 million, if you average it out where they get the franchise, mm-hmm. it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. But remember, you're going to eventually have to. The Giants, we're going down the road here a little bit. They're going to be in a much better position to pay players yes. in 23 and yes. 24 than they are where they no are now. Question. So that might play into being able to keep him.
3: Mm-hmm. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We go to Charlie in Maine. Hello, Charlie. You're next on the show today.
0: Hey guys. Hello. Continuous caller, but first time listener.
3: How's that? <laughs>
1: Well, that, that's, that sums up everything that we've ever heard from you. I
3: know, because it's clear that Charlie <laughs> See, never listens to a word that we say. Maybe we shouldn't listen hey. to him either. Maybe we should just cut him off. <laughs> Go ahead, Charlie. What do you got for us today?
0: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, I could be a great caddy for you. Because the expertise in my golf game Oh, my putting.
3: God. Sure. Was
0: putting. I could read the green. I mean, I could see every blade, and I could see how it turned and where it went. I mean, it was almost like I had a microscope looking at the green. It just
3: opened up to me. And then on top of that, Charlie will have you rub some rubbing compound <laughs> no, no. onto his cl- onto the clubs. First of all,
1: I love caddies. I love them. And I tell you, I don't need them to read the greens. I read the greens just as good as anybody. I just need somebody to carry my bag. And so if you, if you were my caddy, I would do two things. Number one, I would probably... Hide things in there so it is so heavy that you would quit after nine
0: holes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Jeff, so you're telling me putting is a is is a great part of your game? It it is.
1: It is. That's that's yep. And and for and by the way, and Pearson, who's a golfer, will know this that if for any low low handicapper, your short game and your putting is probably that's where you you because listen, there's 18 holes. If you if you if you you know if you if you subtract one putt for 18 of those, or half of them, you're gonna, you know, your score's going to be nine strokes less. I know I'm confusing the hell out of Detino right now. He's got this look on his face like,
3: what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just thinking that you probably putt with your feet because no, your, well, your punts are always thing. so yeah. accurate. Yeah.
1: No, but you know, I did a, I did a little feature yesterday on, on the, the golf tournament. And we'll let you talk here in a second, Charlie. But it was basically <laughs> comparing golfing and punting. It's very, very similar. See? Pre-shot routine. You got I'm tempo. You got all kinds <clears throat> of stuff. So it's it, that's why a lot of the punters and kickers are good. But but you good. don't
3: have hash marks on the grass at a golf course. Yeah, but we have the yardage. Gun. <laughs> we know where it's at. So. Charlie, go ahead. What hey, do you got for us today?
0: Yeah, hey, Jeff, someday I'd like to challenge you on putting. You know, I think I could beat you. Oh, you name Charlie.
3: the course. And wow. And, 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 the gauntlet and, has been fired. <laughs> Come on, Charlie. What do you got for us today?
0: All right. Uh, hey, I just want to know. Serious? Give me a report. Give me a report on my son, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Miller, Miller
3: time, Andre the Giant. Honestly, he, he hasn't necessarily stood out. He's just been one of the guys. Jeff will tell you last week, and I think he did tell you on the show, that he had a bad drop. That, uh, yeah, he also he had, had a, had a, a good touchdown catch, though.
1: He had a, yeah, he had a he touchdown. Had to he did. And that's because Charlie, knew he, he called in. I was on both those days, and he was sure enough <laughs> to call the next day and, and, and by the way, violated his one-call-a-week thing.
0: No, I did not. To
1: say that this guy Miller made a touchdown pass, yeah, like like the rest of the world is thinking that this guy's
3: going to be the next Jerry Rice. <laughs> hey, you know, you know right. what? Well, I, I don't want I don't want to mock him just because we mock you, Charlie. Yeah, no, I want exactly I want, to, I want I, to give this rookie every opportunity. That is opportunity. A, that's the truth. Thank you, okay. Paul. Yeah. I want to give him every opportunity. It is not his fault that you support him.
1: Do you see what happens, Charlie? <laughs> you get us to talk negatively about the players because <laughs> this is what you bring out in us. So it's not good. <laughs>
3: All right. What else Paul, can we do for you, Charlie?
0: Paul, Paul. interview him. I'd love to see you interview him. I will. That would tr- be I great. will see
3: if I can catch up with him at some point. I promise you. Uh,
0: all right, guys. That's all I got. All right, Charlie. Good bye, thank Charlie. you.
3: Good 201-939-4513. We have a couple of lines open. In the meantime, Mike from Brooklyn is next on the show. Hello. Hi, Mike.
4: Hey. Good afternoon, guys.
3: How are you? You too. Good. Hello. Welcome, and thanks for calling. Oh, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take you back in time. Um, Paul, I,
4: I, I was going to call only when you were on the show because you would appreciate this. The art of playing fullback and how it d- disappears. Right. Um, do you remember he um, was a Baltimore Colts uh, back in the day? Norm
3: Bulash. Norm Boul- also played for the Dolphins. Norm Boulash. Yes, I do.
4: Yeah, and
3: uh, Don Nottingham. Sure and um, Mark Van Egan and Mike Allstott. Oh, my gosh. You're going through the whole hall of, uh, of, of fullbacks back in the day. These, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, look, you know me. I'm an old-school guy. I would always have a fullback on my roster, and I would find ways to use him. And I, I think it's it's criminal that uh, that position has gone the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, because
4: back then when they used them, they were the only – they were doing it back in the in the backfield, and they still they knew they were coming, but they still couldn't stop from getting four yards in a cloud of dust. I mean that's how they that's how they won the games at the end. They they just ate the clock up, and I just don't understand why that position has gone away. Maybe because of the West Coast offense. I'm not sure, but uh, those guys just they, they were built like a barrel, you know, like a, a beer beer barrel. I mean they, they would just just run right into the center of the line, get the three or four yards,
3: and then it was uh that was their job and they kept doing it over and over and over. Well let me let me let me just say this. The game's changed. For any the game has changed and they love to go three and four wides, okay? And it's a shame because what would OJ Simpson have done without Jim Braxton as his fullback? You think yeah. he would have had two thousand yards if Braxton wasn't there? Probably not. Uh, do you think Tiki Barber would have been as successful as he was if Jim Finn wasn't his fullback? <laughs> wow, I'm just, Finn, I'm, just a asking, I'm just that's asking. I'm just asking. You know, I'm yeah. just asking. Tiki, Tiki will tell you how important Jim Finn was to him. I mean, what do you think Maurice Carthen did for Joe Morris? Yeah. All right. I mean, it's no coincidence that some of your your greatest rushing performances you know occurred because that halfback had himself a fullback now i understand the game's changed jeff is right and i've got to adapt to that too but that doesn't mean the fullback has to go away jeff will know this and i know that coach dables probably going to go 3 and 4 wides when he gets inside the 3 yard line and i'm going to bang my head against the ceiling because that's what i do every time i see I can't somebody wait to do see that, that. You know, I I freak out. Every time I see an offense get inside the three-yard line and they go three and four wides, I absolutely lose it. Because that's where where you need the fullback in the game who's going to provide you with that lead block. And you tell the halfback, you run up that guy's back and you are going into the end zone. Well, that guy might be...
1: The tight end. That's the thing. That there's the the fullback is kind of lost because now you have these hybrid tight ends that can play that position. Well, these days that that yeah. tight end is probably yeah. an H
3: back. Right. Yeah. You know, same. and and maybe but but or it there might are, be an alignment. But there are too many times where offenses go empty backfield in that case. And I'm sorry, but I will never, ever, ever sign up for that. I'm inside what? the three yard line. I'm gonna show you that I'm running the ball down your throat. Try to stop me.
4: Yeah, yeah, you, you know, Paul. I was thinking uh, Eli, Eli Penny. Uh, whenever he got a chance to run the ball, he was pretty effective. Um, so you could save you could save yourself a roster spot by keeping him as a fullback, and he could also play, you know, a, a backup running back position because he could catch the ball, he could run the ball. He proved that.
3: Well, you know what stakes uh, though. It? Over the last several years, yeah, Eli Penny was here, and they barely used him. I mean, there yeah, was a right. fullback. There was well, they a fullback on special teams. Yeah, that they did, but there was a fullback on this roster, and then he would barely get on the field. You know, and here's oh, yeah. the other thing: yeah. I'll, I'll sign me up for a jumbo formation too. You want to throw an extra offensive lineman back there on the goal line well, yeah. and make him the fullback? That's fine too. Well, they did that last year with Cunningham. You know, but. They did that on occasion, mm-hmm. but we got we got too many, and I know it. I know it. Coach Stables probably going to go empty backfield like most of these guys do these days. That's just not in my blood. I'm sorry. I can't go empty backfield inside the three yard line. I'm not doing it.
4: Yeah, that's, yeah, I understand. Because you're taking away, you're taking away part of the problem. You're giving the other team um, part of the problem that you're taking away from because they're not going to worry about running the ball.
3: And and basically, you're now leaving yourself into one-on-one matchups up front. Yeah. And and you know yeah. what? When your team isn't good enough to win every single one of those matchups, then one of those guys is going to be the leak, and that leak is going to cost you the touchdown. You're not going to get into the end zone.
4: Right. Right. And I have one more thing quickly. Charlie um, just called about his boy. I was it Andre Miller. Yeah. And um, whatever happened to uh, Rice and John? I thought that was his boy, and he seemed—he, I thought he would have a better spot in making the making the team than than Andre Miller. He never talks about Rice and John anymore. So he, he was well, he waived
3: was a couple of weeks ago, and the Chicago Bears claimed him. Oh, they did. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, thanks for telling me that. You got it, my man. Uh, you guys have, have a great day. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you so much. 201-939-4513. All three lines are open. So if you've ever wanted to call into this show, now is the time. Mm-hmm. We've got a full bank of uh, availability for you uh, here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jeff, I, I understand <laughs> the game does
1: more. I-, f- I understand too, but I think I, you I know, know you have you- to
3: tweak things. <clears throat> but I but mean, I think
1: to save your blood pressure, I think you you got to understand that there's just. You know, there's so many other options to score down there that these guys, they just, you know, they can empty the backfield and put everybody out there. And just it's hard to cover those guys, especially these little shifty guys that the Giants got right now. And
3: no, you know what? Dable's probably going to do what you're saying. And and when it works, I'll be like, hey, great. Nice play. But inside, I'm still going to be saying I get it.
1: run the ball. I get it. But here's the other thing, too. If you're a good team, you still have to have that component to your offense to be able to run the football. I believe that. Because you're going to get in a four-minute when you're winning football games and you need first downs, you're going to run it on first and second. And you're going to get four yards, and we're going to get three, and it's going to be third and three. And Okay, so then you can you still have the opportunity to to run the football, or you, now you're, you can pass it. But you got to be able to take time off
3: of that clock. And what happens when you pass the football? things go wrong, you get a holding penalty, yeah, you, you get a sack, you get an incompletion that stops the clock. Yeah. yeah, which is a timeout. That's why, you know, to have a formatted offense, you have to be able to run the ball. Yeah,
1: well, if you're going to be a good football team, it's imperative. It is an ingredient. It is like, to to use your analogy, for the food, right? Well, it's oregano on the pizza. You, you damn well have better it. have it. You have to have it. Damn well better have it. And if you don't, I don't want to hear... in. You know, we talk about the short passing game as a component of your running game. It's kind of like, you know, but right. that's not what we're doing here. No. In a four-minute offense, we are killing the clock. Correct. We're eating that clock up. We're letting that other team call their timeouts, um, and you have to be able to do that. Now, do you have to have a, a great running game in the, the red zone? Yes, you do. Absolutely, Because that sets up play action.
3: It all comes back to... You must have a functional running attack when you need to run the ball. You don't have to have it the whole game, mm-hmm. but in those situations where it's required, you yeah. better be able to do you it. Know, you know what else
1: helps your running game? And when you got five maulers on the front, those guys are nasty, aggressive, and love
3: to block. Or as uh, new offensive line coach Bobby Johnson calls them, dirtbags. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that yet. Well, I think Le- that's probably
1: when they screw up. I think that's probably the one word he uses. No, with he, them he calls uh, he calls
3: Feliciano a dirt bag. Uh, that's his nickname for him. And he said Gluinski is the same way. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the callers. Len from Maryland. You're next up, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Well, Len, how are you? We
1: won't good, call you a good, dirt good. bag, Len.
3: Good.
5: Well, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you say availability, and uh, we all know that the best ability is availability. 100%. So here I am.
3: <laughs> there <laughs> I you are.
5: Decided, all right. I decided to call in. Hey, Jeff. I, I'm, I'm uh, glad you had a good time yesterday. It sounds like it was Thank a you. lot of fun. It,
1: you. know, it it really was, Len. It, and it's good to see a lot of people. You know, you're playing enough of those tournaments. They a lot of the guys sa- sign up for them. They're the same people, but it's, it's all for a good cause and good charity. And it's it's nice to get people back together again after this last two years with COVID and stuff. So thank you.
5: You you know, uh, I participated maybe four or five times in foundation golf tournaments, which involved the Redskins alumni, Mm -hmm. now now commanders, but it was always fun to play golf with those guys. Well, yeah, you get all the
1: stories and
5: could, could pound the ball, pound the ball a mile guys. But on most occasions it was three fairways, right or left. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the that's the truth hey i'll tell you, you know who's a guy that could really crush the ball he had no idea where it went is justin tuck can you imagine justin tuck hitting a golf ball oh my he goodness. hits it oh, to the oh moon goodness. he just doesn't know which moon it's going to was he any more erratic
3: than lt huh <laughs> was he any more erratic than lt well no lt is a very good golfer yeah, but I, I I remember the days when LT would actually line up the golf ball in one end zone at Giant Stadium and then try to hit it over the scoreboard at the other end of the oh, building. Oh, man, where was I in that? I would have liked to do well, that. This, is oh <laughs> this is back in the oh 80s. This is back in the 80s. This a long time ago.
1: <laughs> oh, my
5: goodness. And, and trust oh me,
3: when, when Lawrence did that, you ran in the other direction because yeah. you didn't want to be anywhere near the vicinity. You're not flying I golf did, ball. I
1: did get a report on Tuck that he is getting – better he's 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 a member of knickerbocker so that of course makes him a little bit better golfer so that's good
3: and by the way he's also a rangers fan as is Amani money let's go rangers oh man go yeah, ahead yeah. here we
5: go big night yes indeed big night tonight um you know on the on on fullbacks, and i uh, you know i'm not doing one-offsmanship here with the previous caller but I remember the days of Joe Jet Perry and Alan the Horse Amici and mm-hmm. Paul Tank Younger from Los Angeles, and they were all the, the, the they were leading the leading, you know, in rushing through those years. Even Jim Taylor, and of course, and of course, the great Jim Brown. Um, they were, I mean, fullbacks were the guys, um, and now I'm, you know, I'm talking mid, late '50s and into the '60s, and then it seemed. It seemed like Rick Casares in Chicago, Paul, he was maybe the last one that I remember, the pure fullback who was going to lead the league in rushing. Uh, John Um, Riggins, to
3: be honest with you. Riggins Riggins was built like a fullback, and he he ran out of a one-back attack, and I think you could probably call him a fullback if you'd like.
5: There you go. Okay. And obviously
3: Zonka was a fullback, and we all know how great he was.
5: Oh my goodness! Yes, yes. Good. Except one. Good when he one got to him. the
3: Giants, unfortunately, he gained weight, got lazy, and the offensive line was terrible. So yeah. what are you going to do?
5: <laughs> you put those three things together, and you're not going to do much. Boy. No,
3: no. <laughs> we could have put um, Pearson behind that line; it was going to make a difference.
5: Yeah, yeah. Listen, okay. Two, two other, two other, uh, two other quick things um, with with respect to Daniel. Um, you know, I, I just, I just can't see what Daniel might do this year to earn a multi-year contract. I, I just don't, I, I can't even fathom what might happen. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to be back on the Giants next year. Uh, uh, you know, next year, we're talking about 23. Um, I, I, I can see the one-year deal, you know, the franchise. I just i just can't see it long-term. Um, you know, it's a lot like Kirk Cousins. He's... He may have a kind of year Daniel may have the kind of year to put some right on the edge, but he never could get that long term deal it took it took three franchise tags uh the last one with Minnesota before he would um you know before he got the multi year contract I, I i mean I can't even th- think of the kinds of numbers that Daniel might throw out there that when the Giants would suddenly embrace and based um,
3: on today's offenses and we're gonna we're gonna take the bills and chief's offenses as kind of examples here because that's the kind of schemes the Giants are going to run, okay? It is not, it is absolutely not, in today's NFL, too much to ask a good quarterback to go for 4,200 yards. All right, this isn't Phil Simms' game anymore. When Phil threw for 4,000 yards, that was a big deal. Today, it's not as big a deal. No, 5,000 is the number. Okay, right. So to ask him to throw for 4200 especially if there's going to be a lot of yak yardage mm-hmm. on short throws. Yeah. That's not a lot to ask. He could easily throw for 4200 yards and we're going to go by the 2 to 1 interception touchdown interception ratio. If you got 27 touchdowns, 13 picks and 4200 yards out of him and this team wound up being an 8 or 9 win team. I'd say that's probably going to get enough to make it make it happen for him. I think that's well, enough. As again, well, as long I, as he plays fifteen games plus and he's healthy.
1: Well, seventeen at two hundred and forty-seven yards a game is forty-two hundred. Two forty-seven a game. That's if he if he goes all seventeen. Yeah.
5: yeah, and of course the numbers will be escalated a little bit, and more last year too. As you know, as we start to play the extra, as we have the extra game now, in which it's mm-hmm. an extra two hundred sure. approximately fifty yards. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that 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 can happen. Would you sign Paul, up I for those numbers? Good. Would you hey, sign up hey, for the Paul, numbers Paul, I just Paul. gave you? Paul, I love those numbers. You're good with those. And I love the fi- and I okay. love the 15 games. But wait, but hang on, hang on for a second though. I'm still a little leery, and, I, and I, you know, you got you, you just can't ignore the first three, Paul. I mean, you know, you just can't ignore those those years and the and the injuries. I I, I just don't see them. I, I I see the first option is franchise tag. If he delivers those kinds of numbers, I think the first option is franchise tag. I think the rest of the league is going to think the same way. The rest of the league is going to say.
3: It's a what have you done for me lately game. And what the Giants will do is they'll sit there and they'll say, look, he had to do what he had to do his first three years without the benefit of a true offensive line, without the benefit of a healthy receiving core, without the benefit of a constant running attack. And they'll say, you know what? Those three years were learning experiences. They were growth years, different okay. maturing years, different system years. They'll say, "What have you done for me lately?" And if Jones puts up this year, like I just gave you numbers that he yeah, could yeah, do, yeah. I think he gets yeah. his deal. Yeah, wow. I would.
5: I'm excited about the numbers and if he, that you gave me, and and if he, and if he plays the 15 games, and let me say this: if he delivers those kinds of numbers, Paul. Uh, we're we're on the edge of the playoffs. You if could, he delivers you, those you kinds you of numbers, you may very
3: well have eight or nine wins and, and and be smelling a potential playoff bid in December. Yep. Well, that
5: would be nice. That yep. would be nice. Sure now listen, be. I want I want him to. I, I'm I'm a Jones fan. I, I I want him to deliver those numbers. I'm I'm not anxious to get rid of Daniel. Okay, I hope you guys understand that.
3: Gotcha, Len. We want to move on. Yeah. Is that all right? Okay, sure. Go go for it, guys. All right, Len. talk <laughs> Thanks, to you again Len. soon. Have a good one. 201-939-4513. Two lines are open as we uh, count down the final 15 minutes of the program. Scott, New Mexico, you're next on the show. Hello.
6: Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Hi.
1: Good. How are you, Scotty?
6: Good. I have a
3: trivia question before
6: I get to my main point, and it's sort of related. Who ran the fastest 40-yard dash recorded? And... I'll give you a hint. When he was fifty, he ran a four point four three. Was it Jim Brown? No, 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 no. no, no,
0: no
6: this guy was an, I'll, I'll
3: right? give you.
6: A, I'll give you a further hint. Uh, he was all pro four times, uh Pro Bowler seven times.
3: Oh wait a minute, Daryl Green.
6: And that's right, <laughs> and the reason I bring up Daryl Green is he was exactly the same size as Wandel Robinson. And I think that Wondell Robinson is going to be one of the cogs in the wheel that's really going to make the Giants' offense really go. And for all the the non-believers or people who think he's too small, he doesn't have a huge catch radius. In fact, my friend's English retriever has longer legs than he has arms. Uh, But he is a sensational route runner, and he is also one of the better – Runners when he has the ball, very similar to Tony. So I think he's a central player. And the thing that I'm curious from your perspective, uh, there's a number of receivers on the Giants uh, right now. If you had to choose who is your starting lineup between Slayton, Tony, Barkley, uh, not Barkley, I'm sorry, uh, Galladay, and... um, Robinson, Robinson. who would be your three starters plus your tight end? And I understand that David Bellinger is not dropping any passes in practice. I haven't seen him. And I had said in the beginning, watch out for this guy, because I think he's really going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. But if you had to have a starting, who's your starting receiver, including the tight end? As you see it now, I don't know if you guys are going to practice or not. So if you had to put a, uh, the receiving court together, who would be your starters? And the reason I ask the question is Mike Kafka comes from that background where they're going to launch the ball down the field. And I'm not discounting Barkley either because obviously he's going to be a, a cog in the passing game as well. So who do you envision as your starting lineup right now? For If, if you had to pick guys, and I'm not going to eliminate C.J. Board either, so, But who would you pick as the guys to start if you're looking at your unit right now?
1: All right. Are we considering Sterling Shepard being healthy for the season?
6: Yes. Uh, assuming that he comes back a, a month after, maybe he doesn't start, but... He comes back healthy, say in October, just for argument's sake.
1: So he was—he's okay. So we're not, so he's not going to be a guy that we're going to say the opening day roster starters. No
6: right. I don't, I don't know for. how. I don't know where his health issue okay. is. So right. that's why well, that's, that's important. Sort of I think. Him. I think
3: we have he's to. He's got a ways to go yet. So, so I let's would, let's I would keep him pre- off. Yeah, keep him out of the conversation right now.
1: Okay. Well, we okay. know we know the given. We know it's Galladay. So now we only have to go to two. <laughs> okay. Right. right? I mean, you agree with us there, right, Scott? Um, yep. I, I gotta I gotta believe that because of Shepard being out, that Kadarius Tony will be in. Okay, so that's okay. two, and then so who's gonna be your third guy? I, I right, and so it's it's gonna be Slayton. That's that's mm-hmm. so you favorite. think
6: Slayton as opposed to Wondell
1: Robinson? Yes, then? yes, as a starter. Now there's a starter, now will Wondell Robinson get as much playing time as Darius Slayton? I believe he will. I just don't think okay. he's gonna be a starter.
3: You will see lots of four wide packages, right. which will get Robinson on the field. Exactly. Yeah.
6: Okay. And how how many catches do you think Barkley will have this year if they
1: use well, him the way they Well, we Ager's we just talked about year. this a second ago. And oh, Paul okay. okay. I missed it so. Far. Paul Paul went at 70, and I would kind of just threw out a number. He he wouldn't be surprised if it went over that, and I'm going to say that over under for me would be 65.
6: So, will he be the leading receiver? No. Okay, and who do you pick as the leading
1: receiver if then? My re- leading receiver is going to be Kadarius Tony if he's healthy. That's me. Okay, that's me.
6: Okay, so uh, knowing <laughs> my crazy Paul,
3: Gi- no,
1: no, not at all. No. I,
6: mean, I mean, knowing the Giants are going to compel or, tra- or obviously competing against the other three teams in the division, is their receiving core? Do you think as good as say Philadelphia's? Just for argument's sake. No. Because they have Devontae Smith, and they, have, uh, they just picked up uh, the other guy. Uh, that's a guy from uh, Tennessee. Oh, hello. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown,
1: right. Yeah. No, there's no way.
6: There's no way you think the
1: Giants will be having. No, the same I, time. I don't think if you on paper if you said to me these guys and these guys, I, I think the Eagles' receivers are better. I mean, AJ Brown is <laughs> as
3: good as they get, right? I mean, right. Brown's terrific. Smith, Smith is good. Smith had a very good rookie season.
1: Then they just drafted another uh, guy. They
3: got Kez Watkins. They got Rieger, right. Greg Ward. I'm not. I'm not overly impressed with that receivers room. But the two room. starters, well, Smith and Brown are obviously who Smith and Brown are. So, but, the, okay. but I don't. I don't particularly care for the guys on the depth chart. So they, they you, think, you think you think
1: Galladay and and uh, Galladay and Kadarius are better than Smith and Brown?
3: Well, I'm saying when you go back to three and four and five, I'll take the Giants.
1: Yeah, I think after two, after two, then it well, gets a little have bit to. close. So the
3: question is the receiving core. I mean, that Rager, the whole room. you know
1: that no one likes him. I mean, the Eagle fans don't even like him. So I mean, they got some other guys, but
3: I uh, mean, right right now. Slayton's three, Robinson's four, and Sterling Shepard would be five right now. You know, again, not knowing how how yeah. quickly he's going to come back. <laughs> any any receiving room that, that Sterling Shepard as number five has to be damn good.
6: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I, the way I'm thinking. I think the Giants, especially with Wondell Robinson now in the lineup, that makes them as potent as, say, Philadelphia. Those are two teams that I would think would have the best receiving. But I want to get your perspective.
3: And and if Shep is PUP at the beginning of the season, so you'll have Galladay, Tony Slayton, Robinson, and then your fifth receiver would be Richie James or C.J. Board or Sills or Foster until Sterling Shepard gets healthy. Right. I'm I'm sorry. I like that room, and I won't apologize for it.
6: Okay. Well, I appreciate it, guys. That's really what I was calling about. I wanted to find out if you thought that the receiving core for the Giants is as good as the other ones in the division, because obviously that's what you're fighting for first, just to win the division. And I think their receiving core, especially if Bellinger and Ricky Seals-Jones prove to be good receivers, I think that makes them actually as potent as any team in the division, and that's that's really what I was trying to get
1: at. Well, Ricky Seals Jones is going to be your he's going to be your catching tight end. There's no question.
3: I think it's going to take a little time for Bellinger to take the spot, but at some point he very well might do it. Robert Foster.
1: Robert Foster is another guy you kind of want to not count out of that equation. Well, because
3: he's coming from Buffalo, yeah. So you don't know exactly where he stands. Uh, You know, Washington. You know, between Samuel Dotson, McLaurin, Sims. And uh, I don't know whether or not it's going to be Brown or or, or Milne. Uh, you know, Washington's got uh, they got some talent at receiver.
1: They, they, I think Washington's going to be a. I mean, I, I I'm not a big Carson Wentz fan, but he can put up some numbers. But he also can also sit out. Well, they'll four finish
3: games. last in the division. You think? But so? But they got some receivers. Okay. They do have some receivers. I can't say that they don't.
1: No, they do. They had to go out and get some receivers. You
3: know? Yeah, and they Carson did. Carson Wentz. They, and did. they did. Yeah. And Lamb and Gallup are certainly, you know, terrific for McLaren Dallas. But is the guy though. He is but, just but see, a stud. But after that, you know, whether it's Washington, Brown, Tolbert, I mean, come on. I'm I'm not in, I'm not impressed with the back end of the Cowboys receiving depth chart. I'm just not. Yeah. 201-939-4513. We're counting down the last 6 minutes or so. Chris from California. You're next on the show. Hello.
4: Hey, what's up guys? Hi. Hello. Hey, um,
5: I got a question. Um, I didn't get to listen to all the press conferences yet. Did Martindale or anyone talk about their comfortability of the cornerback situation?
1: Sure. Yeah, he basically said, I'm not really worried about it because I'm going to put so much pressure on the quarterbacks. (laughs) They're not going to have time to throw it. you just (laughs) got to cover.
3: That's it. That's basically what he said. You know, wink, wink, wink echoed something that I had predicted all along. He said that Thibodeau was his number one guy. That's the guy he wanted because he wants to cause crap for the quarterbacks. That's his number one mission in life, and uh, no surprise. We tried to tell you that for months.
5: Okay, well, from what you guys seen, um, I, I know it's just the beginning stages. Um, have, can we go man-to-man most of the game?
3: Well, I mean, Aaron Robinson is still a bit of an unknown. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You know, he, he had spot duty last year, was only healthy for about 10 games, played a lot of slot. Now he's got to go outside. I think he can do it. I think he's a terrific young talent. He's a smart heady player. He's got confidence. He's physical. I think Aaron Robinson's gonna do just fine out there. So, you know, are we gonna are we gonna immediately dub them as blanket corners on both sides of the field and say that for sure they're gonna get it done? No, I can't tell you that with, with total confidence, but am I optimistic? Sure I am.
5: Okay. One more and I'll take it off the air. Um if we're going to wait until a cornerback gets, let's say, cut or released from training camp, how much is thats that, is that going to cost us a lot? And does that player, are they able to negotiate what they want? Or at that point of being cut, they're just going to have to take what they can get. And I'll take the rest off the air. Thank you, guys.
3: Thanks for the call. We'll try to sneak in one more call uh, if we can get to it. Jeff, uh, well, I promoted getting one more veteran insurance policy at the corner at corner yeah i've promoted that i don't know if you feel the same
1: well i mean if you're if you're a uh, a vested veteran and you are released and you're not claimed off you know there's no claim you, you can get whatever you want you know it, and it just depends on the timing you know some of these guys maybe going into the season they're probably going to get a minimum deal which is still pretty darn good money um but you know there if there's the thing about being a free agent it's good and bad it's good if you have a couple teams buying for your services. It's bad if you don't have anybody and you got to try to knock on doors to get in because at that point in time, you're just basically going to take what they give you. So, and really when you get to the end of the, uh, the training camp and things like that, and their cuts start coming down, you know, these guys are just, they, they want a job. So they're going to take whatever they can get.
3: Right. So you aren't going to necessarily have you to don't open have, up. Knocks yeah. To you get don't
1: them. have a lot of negotiating leverage, if you will. That's so, just it.
3: And I do think the Giants will keep the radar open and out for a veteran corner who well, they think might fit at some point. But think about
1: this. you got 32 teams with 90 guys on There's a lot of players out there that can still play that sure. just may not make the cut. And that's when teams are – and by the way, if you ever saw – if you ever had a chance to get in the building and see the, the room where all these names are for the current players in the NFL, they've got them all. And they're on that board. They know who they are. They're scouted. They're vetted. They know who exactly what There's they are. There's a database that's there updated is, every second. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Joe Shane came in here and changed all that. It's all digital.
3: And by the way, let's, rec- let's remember, and Jeff has told you this before, there are many veterans who are on the street right now who don't necessarily want to sign right. in the middle of May or June. Yeah. They're willing to wait.
1: Yeah, and there are teams that have gone to those guys and said that we're okay with this. We understand. We know who you are. We you stay in shape, this and that. Right. Go through training camp, and you know we're not going to sign you for a reason right now, but we may need your services. So just we just want you to know
3: that you're one of our guys that we're going to come to. Case in point, two thousand seven, uh, right before the uh, first game of the season, Giants picked up Kavika Mitchell. Oh, when what a pickup! Seriously, yeah. That guy was a stud you know, linebacker, obviously, folks. Not not a corner, but Kavika Mitchell was uh, was sitting yeah. out there, and the Giants got From him Buffalo. for a one one year minimum contract. He had played mm-hmm. with the Chiefs and the Bills, actually played with the Ch- Chiefs first, then Chiefs first, Chiefs first. And, Chiefs yeah. first. and uh, he's sitting out there on the street, and Ernie Ocorsi grabs him right right at the very end of the summer, and well, let's let's see what we could do with this guy as a potential bit player in this defense. And Kavika Mitchell made some oh. huge plays during that championship season. Huge. I, I've I've often said he was the most unsung hero of that team. He was team.
1: him and Pierce, and the, uh, I mean,
3: just uh, just awesome. Just so, so you can get guys who are quality of course players. You can. Yeah, just because they're on the street right now doesn't automatically mean they're not any good. And by the way, they're, it's about timing.
1: They're they're most of the time when you're in need of going out and getting a veteran player, they're better than what you have on the roster. So. That tells you something, right? I mean, or you go and get a veteran just for a little bit of, you know, somewhat of depth if you can. Maybe not a starter. Maybe a guy that can know that can be fill a role if you need him. You know what I'm saying, Paul? Mm-hmm. Like you got, a, you got a lot of young guys, and if for some reason you get injuries and stuff, you don't want to always have to keep going back to the young guys because eventually it runs out that there's not a lot of experience there. So you want to kind of maybe get somebody that's in on your team that has some experience that you can plug and play him. No question. And by the way that you know it's the cycle it's the bell curve as veterans we always used to say you know you come in playing special teams you go you go up and then on your way down from your career you start playing special teams again <laughs> and
3: then you're out it's like a big bell <laughs> <laughs> so That'll do it for today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jeff, as always, has always, been Good fun. Good stuff, guys. Yeah, I'll be in here tomorrow and Friday. So. Yeah, you can reach him at Jay Feagles on Twitter. You can reach me at Giants WFAN, Big Blue Kickoff Live at 201-939-4513. Write it down. We are here every weekday from noon until 1 p.m. Eastern time live. Then again, you can always catch the program as part of the Giants Archive. On their podcast network through Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms everywhere. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll talk to you again soon.